It is Locked on Jazz for the 12th of December. 12-12 for you. A very coachable team we're seeing out of this Utah Jazz. We'll talk about the Minnesota and Denver losses. Plus, Will Hardy's pregame quote the other night comes to fruition, but also tells us a lot about his philosophies. Nikhil Alexander-Walker continues to grow. What is his future? And a Monday Trends edition. We'll touch on that all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. Love the comments in the chat room going on in YouTube question today what young player are you most excited for about the Utah Jazz we're touching on that in our chat room today today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA hope you're great snowy Monday morning uh here in Utah and uh If you're wondering the unique outfit of a ski hat and t-shirt, it means that I throw a big jacket on when I snow plow, but I need a ski hat for it so that I had already plowed the driveway this morning and the ski hat stayed on and went to the t-shirt. That's the answer. It looks looks, looks stupid, but I have clearly not cared what I look like first thing in the morning when I chat with you on this program. Uh, Jazz lose twice over the weekend. Um, I thought it was an interesting, um, you know, Rudy's return probably just should make a mention to it. Um, it was kind of exactly what I think everybody expected. The crowd gave Rudy all the appreciation for his years. Um, Rudy impacted the game dramatically. We couldn't get to the basket at all. We took two shots at the rim in the first half of the game. Neither of them, when Rudy Gobert was on the floor, um, we got better at it, which I'll get to here in a second in the third quarter. Uh, and then, you know, we can get all into whether or not there's an unwritten rule or not about the final play of the game and all the excuses that Chris Finch made for Rudy and the other, you just shouldn't make that play. Like it's just an easy, like you can decide whether there's an unwritten rule or not and whether it was appropriate or not, whether you just shouldn't make the play. Jared Vanderbilt should have made it in Minnesota. Zion shouldn't have done it the other night. There's just no need. Like the game's over. So it was to me the the night of Rudy was actually almost Rudy's eight nine year career in Utah all summed up as one in the sense that you know it was his hard work his effort he was dominant and then he just somehow can't help himself like anyone who's close to Rudy who talks about Rudy talks about how he just can't help himself um, he just and we saw it so many times in the media with him. And we saw it so many other times in which he just was simply incapable of not, you know, ruffling a feather. The Devin Booker press conference is the lowest, the worst of them all. Um, when he takes the shot at Donovan now, well, Devin Booker's playing defense. And then Jordan Clarkson and Donovan Mitchell have to have their press conference taking shots at him last year. Like, it's just, he can't help himself. So I thought it was actually a perfect capsule of Rudy's career. It was fun. The crowd appreciated him. Great video. He deserves all that. Um, and it was super. 
Uh, and he was really good. And then they lost the next night to Portland, which was strange. Uh, from a Jazz standpoint, what jumped out to me over the weekend was how coachable this team is. So we have the fortunate thing on the radio broadcast where we talk to one of our assistant coaches at halftime, and often they give us really, really good stuff. And Brian Bailey is terrific and a rising star as a coach in this league, Jazz assistant coach. And he, at halftime, you know, the Jazz at halftime of that game were 17 of 24 against Minnesota. They had two shots at the rim. And um, they really were not playing particularly. Um, and actually, this might actually even be back to the Wednesday game against Indiana. Now I think about it. Um, they, they really weren't getting the shots you'd want them to get. And he talked about just a coaching execution change that needed to happen. It was the Wednesday game against Golden State. Sorry. Um, too many too many home games in a row. Loved it. Um, but uh, against Golden State, when... And the Jazz just simply, you know, his comment was that the the guards are getting in the lane. They're playing too fast. They're they're not under control. They're they're playing off one foot. They need to come in. They need to set both feet. They need to look out to find shooters. And I said, are the are the Warriors doing anything at the time to be able to take away what you what you're looking for? And he said, no. And it was like, okay, like really clearly those shots are available. And if you go back and look at that game, if I have the right one, which now I'm you know, doubting, um, if you kind of look at it, the Jazz in the first half of that game end up, I think, with like two three-pointers and they hit seven in the third. They just literally made an adjustment in the middle of the game. The same thing against Minnesota. We saw the Jazz took two shots at the rim in the first half of that game. Actually, neither of them when Rudy was on the floor. And then in the third quarter, they actually started. I asked the question at halftime, like, what, like, what's the answer here? And they're like, you've got, you just can't not attack. You have to get into the paint, bring, if nothing else, you have to fully engage Rudy so he's occupied and then move it. And you saw the Jazz do exactly that in the third quarter of that game. Suddenly the, the shot chart was totally different than it was earlier. And then overall, I thought um, in the game last night, um, if you want the specifics on that one, by the way, the Jazz in the third quarter of the game against Minnesota took six shots inside the restricted area, having taken two for the entire game prior to that. Like that's that's a pretty dramatic change. Um, and then in the fourth quarter, they took another five. So they took two in the first quarter, they took 11 in the second. That that That's where this group is just super coachable. And that's pretty fun to watch. And, last, and then against Denver, you know, Will Hardy changes the starting lineup, takes Walker Kessler out, partially because, you know, him against Jokic is not a great matchup. Um, Rudy had bogarted him on the first play of the game right underneath the basket for a dunk. You know, earlier this year when he played Joel Embiid, um, Joel Embiid used him as a traffic cone. Fine. N- nothing wrong with any of these things. We actually would see later in this game that, you know, there's the four-play sequence where Jokic just pounding it on Walker Kessler. And Walker Kessler literally runs up the floor and says to Coach, I'm trying. And like he's like, I got it. I got it, bud. No problem. You're trying. He's two-time MVP. He's unbelievably great at what he does. I know you're trying. Um, but you're a rookie, and this is really hard. And Walker's doing a great job, and he's going to be super. But there are times when it's not the right thing to play him right now or matchups to have him have. And so Will started Jared Vanderbilt with Taylor Horton Tucker without the shorthanded group to really make it create – kind of a havoc to the game, and they did exactly that. And then their halftime adjustments, they dropped 38 points in the in the second biggest third quarter they've had all season long. So we've really seen a really coachable group, which I think is really cool. 
Um, and, and I wanted to just kind of point that out because I think there, there is a little level of in this league where you sometimes wonder, like, are game plans being executed? Do you have – do is the coach with this group – you know, I thought for years in Oklahoma City, Billy Donovan couldn't execute a game plan because he, he had James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Now, on the other end, when you have James Harden and Russell Westbrook, maybe you don't have to execute a game plan because you just go give them the ball, and they're so darn good that it doesn't matter. Um, and there's probably something to that. Um, this panic you see on my face is the realization that I left my espresso in the other room. I have to get through the whole rest of the show without any caffeine injections. Um, ah, it's panic. Uh, so anyway, I thought that was the first thing. And, you know, they lose both of them. I thought they played well. I thought they played particularly well in Denver to stay in that game the whole time. And and then, you know, I want to get to the Will Hardy quote of what he what he had to say after the before the game because I thought it really came to fruition. Uh, and I don't have the exact quote. I'll explain why in a second. But I thought it came to fruition late in the game. Um, of how the Jazz lost yet again another close game without Mike Conley on the floor and now going to 1-6 and six on the season in the clutch when Mike Conley's not available. Um, that's That tells the story of this season right now more than just about anything. All right, we'll touch on that, uh, what happened late in that game and some of the plays that kind of were foreshadowed by a pregame quote by, by Will Hardy before the game uh, as we continue. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch uh, Chevy. Located in Woods Cross and in Linden, excuse me, and in Logan, uh, it is the most wonderful buy of the year. Save thousands on the 2023 Silverado 2.7 liter uh, truck. Also, 500% red tag bonus cash on all cars. $2,500 total cash allowance on that Silverado. So lots of different things going on. Promotions to get near the end of the year. I believe there are some reasons why certain size cars are good to buy this time of year. Might have something to do with taxes. I think that law is still in place. Uh, the Tahoe and the Suburban Class 5 for that. Those are the Chevy standards. The SUV lineup is fantastic from the tracks all the way up to the Trailblazer with the Equinox Traverse and Blazer in between. And obviously the Colorado and Silverado trucks are one of a kind as Chevy makes the best truck on the market. It's all at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross, also in Logan. If you're going to stop by, please feel free to just hit me up at dlock09 at gmail.com and we'll get you your VIP experience. A while back, we used to tell you about a company called Truebill. It's now called Rocket Money. It's still just as cool, frankly. Um, one, you could be wasting just a ton of money on subscriptions. Um, 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. Maybe for you, it's the unused Amazon Prime account. That seems hard to believe that it's unused. But more likely, it's a Hulu account or it's a subscription. Mine is to Bloomberg, frankly. Um, that's the great. This app goes and tells you and keeps track of all your expenses because it tells you whether a re- every reoccurring payment, it notifies you so that you suddenly realize where all your money is going. And they are saving, most Americans think they're spending about $80 a month on subscriptions. We're actually spending about 200 plus. So you could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions you don't even know about. Rocket Money will take care of that. Rocket Money's podcast, Talking Points 3, uh, there's the app. We'll show you all sorts of things as well. Um, it's called Rocket Money. It was formerly Truebill. The app shows you all subscriptions in one place, cancels them uh, when you what you don't want. Rocket Money, you can find subscriptions you don't want to pay for. Also, you can just kind of monitor all your expenses. Go check it out. Rocket Money, I use it and like it. Uh, get rid of the useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on. 
Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Your second listen today, Locked On Sports today. Plus, we should have a great game to game uh, for you as well. So check those both out. Uh, so Will Hardy before the game, I, I asked him, and unfortunately, uh, um, we have a technical problem in our with our work, and so you, I can't get this press conference. Um, I got up early this morning to download it, and it's not available. Um, so I was going to play the sound for you. So now we're going to have to paraphrase, and I think I'll paraphrase correctly. So I asked Will Hardy before the game about the difference between like giving guys the ultimate freedom to just play and at the same time that there is a construct by which you have to play inside of a team to win and most players in the NBA actually have to narrow their game down to be able to be a solid NBA player. And I asked this to both Mike Malone and to Will Hardy. And the reason I asked it was because the Jazz were playing so many guys in different roles than they're used to. And the one I think is most interesting on this is Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And we'll get into him a little bit more in the show, but Nikhil Alexander-Walker kind of took his, came into the NBA and then his game went wide instead of narrow and he went haywire. And now he's narrow focusing a little bit and I think he's a way better player. So that's the premise by which I asked the question. I also just was curious on what Will had to say. And Will, and both Mike Malone and Will gave an interesting answer. You know, Mike Malone talked about, you can talk about what the team needs to give you, but what do you give the team? And he talked about it also as selflessness. And that in his case, he's really fortunate because Jokic is the most selfless player on the roster. And so therefore he sets the tone. But um, I think that's an interesting way that he talked about and talked about leadership. Will talked about, hey, you want the guys to play with the ultimate freedom, but they have to be self-aware. There's a point in the process here where we can give you as much freedom as you want, but if you're having a bad night and you're struggling or you're not a particularly good shooter, you've got to be self-aware. And I thought what happened to the Jazz late in that game the other night is they lost their self-awareness. And they lost their self-awareness probably because it's late game, five minutes left, Jokic puts a put back in at the five-minute mark. It's 105-104. And you suddenly have the Jazz trying to make plays that really aren't that natural. Their first possession's fine. Alexander Walker gets free throws. He makes one of the two. Then Gordon scores. Then Olenek misses a left corner three that was a dynamite play by the Jazz. It was absolutely perfectly executed. And then it gets funky. Uh, Alexander Walker gets called for an offensive foul on a turnover. Um, then Alexander Walker has a bad pass turnover. It goes out of bounds, so now suddenly we have back-to-back turnovers. Then Vanderbilt does the first one, kind of lack of self-awareness. And his lack of self-awareness is he's got the ball on the right elbow, and Malik Beasley makes a back cut, which with five minutes left in the second quarter might be a worthwhile attempt, but with three minutes left in the fourth quarter of a game that's you're down five and you can't afford to turn it over, was just not the right play. Like, and that's, you know what, Vando conducting at the elbow with 248 left in a game is a brand new experience. And a lack of understanding of, hey, how important those possessions are, where your risk analysis is, how you're going to make that, what you're going to do with that play. And he just tries to bounce one to a cutting Beasley through three guys. Next time down, Horton Tucker drives, I, I, I thought a drive that frankly lacks some self-awareness, like a little. Now, if you're Horton Tucker and you're looking around and you're on the floor with Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Horton Tucker, Vanderbilt, Olenek, and um, probably Bees to close, maybe you are looking at this thing, okay, well, Bees is a shooter. 
Nikhil can't hit the ball right now. Vanderbilt's not beating anybody off the drive, nor is Linux. I got two. I got to drive and make a play. And so maybe that that's totally fine, self-awareness. It felt a little forced to me. <clears throat> the shot clock, he had just blocked it on the other side. He brought it up. The shot clock was still early. Um, and actually, I'm off a play on this one. Uh, on this one, uh, Beasley, uh, we bring it up early. Beasley hits Alexander Walker, and he hits a three. So it's great. Now we're back down to a two-point game. Um, and then... The next one is Alexander Walker. I thought uh, off of Vanderbilt still, Horton Tucker pushes a little bit. We get the tip dunk follow. Uh, beautiful play. And we get it um, there. Then Olenek misses a 13-foot step-back jump shot on a possession that just didn't materialize. We were down to 17 on the shot clock. But again, kind of if you watch that play, there's some tough moments in there. Um, Horton Tucker drives, gets fouled with 105 left. They don't call it. That's not anyone's fault. That's just ridiculous that he wasn't. That foul wasn't called. Jokic killed him. Um, I didn't see the last two-minute report yesterday, but I'm hoping that they actually admitted that one after not admitting any in the Mark Davis game. And then with 34 seconds left in a 112-110 game, um, Talon has a... You have a Linux in the post being guarded by Bones Highland or somebody small, and Will's barking out signals, and Horton Tucker takes a 26-foot three. Taylor played a really good game, having not played a lot. But that one's just, like, that's a self-awareness shot. Like, you're a 25% career three-point shooter. Um, and I get it. Like, you look on the floor and you see that you're the guy who's got to be making plays and you've been making plays and probably fatigue's kicking in at some point. I'm not really, like, critical in the sense or surprised by any of this. I think it's the reality and that's how you learn and you get better. But there's a lot of time left on that clock still. You're a 27% career three-point shooter. I, I, I'm perfectly well aware, big Talon fan, of how much better he's getting shooting, but that's just not the shot you want at that moment. It's just not. And then rebound called Will Pope, and, and the game starts, you know, the Jazz can't, can't get it back. Alexander Walker misses with 3.8. So you run down that, and there's just a bunch of little turnovers and little plays that lack kind of that self-awareness of late game play. And, and that's what Will was talking about. Like, we're going we're gonna to spread it out. We're going to give these guys this, but they have, to, they have to have some level of self-awareness to what they're doing. I thought it was just a really interesting comment that then came to fruition late. And again, I don't mean this like I'm not trying to, like I could have picked different plays by all the guys. So I thought they all played great. And I thought their execution of the game plan was super. And I thought their stepping up when guys were out was great. And that, that's just being put in a really, really hard situation late in games. And that's where we're one and six in those games. Um, you know, we're better, frankly, Nikhil Alexander-Walker has played better and better and better in those circumstances right now and seems more controlled and has gotten into better sets. And we've had better offensive luck and our turnovers are down in the last few games when he's been at the controls um, without Mike Conley. So to his credit, now we did, we turned it over. Um, I think we only turned it over twice in the final five minutes, maybe three times because of the offensive foul. So the rate's still high. I mean, we're just... We're just losing two or three possessions a night in the final five minutes, which is 20 to 30% of your possessions, and it's just super hard to win. So I think that's it. Um, the other one on the Hardy quote that was really interesting, that he dropped in without being asked on that question. I told you what I asked him. Was he got in the fact that rookies have to earn minutes, that you're not being gifted minutes in this program, and that he doesn't believe in gifting minutes. So for all the people out there, and this is probably worth remembering for the next few years because our process is, is not over yet. 
is for all those people that are, you know, I want Ochai Abaji just to play. I want Walker Kessler just to play. I want the, he, he literally said in, the, in this quote, we're not just gifting minutes without consequence. It was a really telling comment because frankly, it wasn't a part of the question. But it was a real insight into what he believes and how he believes and what he's going to do coaching. That you're not just going to give minutes because a guy was drafted in a position. They're going to get minutes because you earn them in practice or you earn them in the court. You're going to get opportunities because that's clearly what Will Hardy does. But you are not going to be gifted minutes without consequence. You've got to learn. We're trying to win every game and you don't just get to go out and make a bunch of mistakes and have no repercussions for that. And I thought that was a really interesting comment and one that like for all the people are going to be clamoring for so and so to get minutes and particularly if you know we're below 500 and out of the playoff race and we should just play guys. We're going to play guys, but we're not going to do it without consequence or ramifications for for performance. And I I frankly think that's a that's a good thing uh for the well-being of the Utah Jazz. Uh but I thought it was the first kind of if the first answer time he's he's brought that up and he wasn't asked about it. Um, and so I thought it was a pretty clear message to everyone of, hey, you just aren't going to get minutes. Um, in regards to Ochai, he's been a really slow starter throughout his career. He was a slow high school starter. He was a slow college starter. He's old for his age. Like he's, uh, he played five years of college um, and he is, you know, He's an older NBA player at this point at 22 years old. So you would like him to be probably on that scale a little readier than he seems to be right now. Um, And he has not torn up the G League uh, at a great level. And my only concern is on him is what I always have said about young players is I actually you want young. I actually like young players are making a bunch of mistakes. Um, I, you, you would like to see them, um, you know, you would like to see them have, have like mistakes are fixable, non-mistakes, non-actions, um, are, you just get quiet and it's hard to then make an impact. So you, I think you would always love to have, uh, a team, a young, at least in my book, young players who are, are whose lines are, you know, one of eight, four turnovers. There's a point where it's too much, right? I get it, but it, it allows you to be able to kind of alter that and believe he's going to be like in the G League. He actually has committed three and four turnovers a game at times, trying to do things. I kind of like that. Um, because of the fact that it means that there's something to correct there. His lack of shooting in the G League is a little disturbing. Like, um, there's a lot of two of nines, one of sevens, three of eights. Three of eights is not bad, but knights in his G League. So, so, so far, like, he's not, like, I, he's just, but I think it's really important. He's a slow starter both in high school and in college um, to see what where he goes and, and how he develops right now. He got an extended run in that game and he hit two of five from three, which is great. There was a stretch there where both he and Balbaro were on the floor and basically almost had nine trillion outings where they had zero, 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 zero across the board. And um, Balmaro does a lot of things I like, but his reluctance to shoot is really a problem. And, you, you know, 
17, you just can't like really play 17 minutes, take one shot and have no points very often. Like that's at least Abaji took the eight shots in 20 minutes. I kind of like that. Like, okay, you're willing to put it up. We can, we can have some impact on that. We, you know, those are things um, you can fix. Um, so, and Kessler is just going to keep developing. He, he's going to be really good. Like Walker, Walker, on the poll question day of which young player are you most excited about, I think the answer probably should be Walker. He, he's going to be really, really, really good. All right, NBA, uh, I want to talk about Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and I want to get to trends uh, as well today uh, on everything. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at LinkedIn. Hiring is hard. Bigger problem with hiring. I I actually love hiring um, and enjoy it and get kind of a rush out of it as, a, as someone running a company. But the bigger problem with hiring to me is that it is time-consuming and it can almost paralyze everything else you're doing in the company as the president or CEO of the company if that's what you're, if you're a small company and you don't have a whole HR department. So that's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash lockedonmba. That's linkedin.com slash lockedonmba to post your jobs for free. you 100% certain you'll have access to the best qualified candidates. That's why you have to that's why LinkedIn Jobs does what it does. It's simple tools such as the screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with the right skills and experience. You can quickly prioritize interview, hire. Small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. And that's why. You get it done faster. You get it done with qualified candidates. It's all at LinkedIn.com slash locked on. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Greatly appreciate it. Um, so my comment on Nikhil Alexander-Walker has always been, this guy's just loaded with skills. He's got this amazing body at 6'6 with a great length. He has super pretty good athleticism. He actually can play multiple positions. He can defend multiple positions. He's played point guard far better than I anticipated him playing it. Give him great credit um, so far this year. He... Um, I actually thought that was the problem in New Orleans is they put the ball in his hands and and then it kind of stymied him and got him almost into trouble. I, I would say you can see why New Orleans wanted to do that with him uh, when you see him play point guard the last few nights. This kid's really got a lot of opportunities. The problem he had in his career is he was like he literally couldn't put the ball in the basket. His forty uh, his forty four point nine effective field goal percentage last year was one of the worst in the NBA. 50 the year before wasn't great, and 45.5 his freshman his rookie year wasn't good. Watching him play, the biggest problem I thought he had is he can get a shot off all the time. At six six, he and shooting off the elbow, off the shoulder, he just has a constant shooting window available to him. And so the question to me was, could he stop taking bad shots? He just took so many bad shots a night um, that then he missed them almost all of them, and then all and then all of a sudden his rate of his shooting was awful. His first two years in New Orleans, he takes 22 shots per 100 possessions. He's now taking 16. That's exactly what I was talking about. Now, I don't think he'll ever be a great shooter, frankly. He's a 73% free throw shooter. He plays with so much arc on his ball that I... I arc on his ball. I, I'm not sure I buy that it can be a high-level three-point shot. Can it... Can he get it from, you know, he's at 41 right now, which is crazy good. He's a career 33. Can he get it somewhere in the middle? Then he's, if if he can get somewhere in the middle, he's an incredibly viable NBA rotation player. Um, And it's a great find for the Jazz. 
Um, he's kind of up on all of his numbers. His steal rate is this is back up to where it was his second year in the league. Um, his turnover rate is kind of right where it was his first and second year in the league. His assist numbers are rising back up to that. He's doing a lot of the same stuff. He's just doing it without as many bad shots. And this then, when you don't take as many bad shots, you then suddenly, all of your other skills, which are, are numerous for him, get accentuated and um, highlighted. And I think it's really exciting. And frankly, he's our backup, best, second best backup point guard right now. When Mike doesn't have the ball in his hands, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is the next guy I want to have have the ball in his hands. All right, let's get to, uh, I always love this, um, Trends Monday, see who's doing what. New Orleans is killing it. I watched their game against Phoenix last night. So over the last two weeks, the top teams in the NBA and differential, some interesting names are going to show up here. One, Boston, no surprise. Two, New Orleans, no surprise, they're 7-0. and Three, New York. So New York is 5-2 and two in their last seven games and suddenly hot. Memphis is fourth. That's without Desmond Bain, and I'll tell you why in a moment. Sacramento is fifth. Golden State is sixth. Cleveland is seventh, and Milwaukee's eighth. Utah's 15th in its last two weeks, um, right in the middle of the pack. Best off Five best offenses in the league are Denver, Portland, Boston, Dallas, and Washington. Phoenix is tied. And the Lakers, interestingly, are seventh offensively in the last two weeks. We are ninth. New Orleans, who will play Tuesday and Thursday. Tickets available to see Zion at utahjazz.com. That should be a fun one. Our, is our eighth. The teams that cannot score right now, Cleveland is the worst offense in the NBA over the last two weeks. Oklahoma City, Orlando, San Antonio, Atlanta, and Miami. And I've been watching Miami close game. We'll do close game late tomorrow. Um... I've been watching Miami a bunch recently. They really can't score. Five best defensive teams in the league recently are Memphis, Cleveland. That's why Cleveland's been good. New York. So New York is the third best defense in the league right now. In the last two weeks, that's why they're playing so well. New Orleans, four. Boston, five. Sacramento, six. Golden State, seven. Teams that are not defending at all are Charlotte, San Antonio, Phoenix. Interesting. Indiana, Houston, and Portland. And the Clippers are next. So those are the trends over the last two weeks. Then we like to look at the last 10 games as our our next one, as you might recall. And these always reveal like a little tiny things in there to me that are so interesting. I think today so far has been the Knicks overall play and the Cleveland Cavaliers lack of offense has been the two that have jumped out to me. Over the last 10 games, the number one team in the league is New Orleans, then Boston, then New York, again, still there. Memphis, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. That jumps out to me. I still kind of believe in Brooklyn as now they have all their shooters. Watching them, Durant was just amazing late game the other night against someone we watched. Ron and I watched him on the plane after the games. He was just, he's, I mean, he was just unstoppable. Best offenses over the last 10 are Boston, Denver. The Lakers are three. The Jazz are four. Phoenix is, Anthony Davis has been unstoppable. Phoenix is five. New Orleans is six. Brooklyn is seven. Teams that can't score, San Antonio, Charlotte, Orlando, Cleveland again. Miami, that's probably another story in here. So the trends, Miami really can't score, nor can Atlanta. Uh, they're 25th in the league. Defense is the best in the league. Cleveland, the best of the last 10 days, followed by New Orleans. Memphis is, that's why Memphis is winning. They are the number three defense in the NBA over the last 10 days, uh, 10 games. San Antonio, New York, Back in there, Milwaukee and Boston. Teams not defending. Washington, Portland, San Antonio, Dallas, and Utah. 
along with Houston. Um, so those are the, the, ten, the teams in the last 10 games that are struggling the most are San Antonio, Charlotte, Orlando, Clippers, Pacers, and Pistons. So no big surprise anywhere in there. Those are your Monday trends. Those are, that is Monday Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in. Have a wonderful day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Get you ready for the Pelicans, the number one team in the NBA is in the house, both Tuesday and Thursday. Tickets available both. Also, holiday packs available at utahjazz.com, and you get jazz notes whenever you buy those tickets. So jump aboard. Go over to utahjazz.com. Thanks so very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Go listen to Locked on Sports today as your second listen.